He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always, always, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postelidis. Opa! <laughs> Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. For yes. some reason, I always think it's Monday when we do these things. I go a little woo-woo, a little it's okay. Kind of- it's okay. Do you know, Tuesday's the least favorite day of the week, I'm told. It's the hardest day of the week. It's not quite midweek yet. And uh, it's the day that people, I think, really come back to work, to be honest with you, Tuesdays, right? Mondays, who cares? Who cares? I care. Um, I care. You do care. I do care. I so do listen, care. So listen, last week I was at the special event and Cater Source, uh, Cater yes. Source special event. It was in Orlando last week. And, uh, you know, I tend to go on about these things afterward. And, you know, you know me well enough to know that I don't mince words. This is true. And I would say that, um, you know, again, after visiting that show, I'm I'm feeling that we're just not hitting the target. Uh, we're not showing people the way events and meetings are supposed to happen. And quite honestly, the way they do happen, they open their general session with a violin act and a DJ and lots of visuals happening on the back on the, on the upstage screen. And it was wild and loud. And uh, it honestly, it was exactly what I would never do to open a general session. It was the complete opposite. Uh, There was time wasted in the segues when the, MC or the VOG should have been announced was on the transition on the segue so that they could help cover the segue, not wait for it and then bring them out. So it was, it's small things, but it reminds me that timing is so very important. And, you know, where there are a lot of event planners, I think there are very few that understand the implication of time on an event. And that's what it really takes is a sense of timing to turn an event into an experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought I would just share that I'm a little disappointed again. Uh, And uh, so be it. That's, that's what it was. We still learn. We learn what we can do and we learn what we shouldn't do at these things. And so if we go in with that frame of mind, then we're learning. I guess that's the most important thing. It it absolutely is. And one of the things that boggles my mind, and I don't say this being the age I am, it was something that always bothered me because, you know, I've been in events, well, entertainment my whole life. To be affronted first thing in the morning uh-huh. with that kind of big 
the blaring sound. It's for me, it's offensive. It's not about it being loud. It's not, oh, I'm delicate. It's nothing about that. It's not welcoming. It's off-putting to me. And, you know, it, it doesn't take into consideration how you're starting people off in the day in something where you really want to grab their attention and welcome them in. And instead, I feel like you're just slamming doors in their face. And it's all about me, me, me. Look at what I did. Look at how big and splashy I am and mm -hmm. nothing about the audience. Yeah. I think that's the biggest takeaway here is, you know, if the audience, if the demographic fits, if they're young, if they're vivacious, if, you know, they're energized and they come in, you want to hit them with a bang. That's one thing, but it felt very much like they didn't understand the audience. And I honestly felt the same way that you just described. I was offended. I mm -hmm. felt that I was being jarred awake in the morning when really what I wanted was to be informed, not to be jarred awake. So there you have it. And that actually, the talk of this show actually leads me to today's tip of the day. Let's get tipsy. Today's tipsy is about showcasing. If you're going to do it, my tip is don't F it up. In the meeting and event industry, showcasing can be a more optimal way to attract business over other forms of marketing, due in large part to the experiential nature of our work. It's easier to sell an experience, whether it's a product or performance driven, by allowing potential buyers the opportunity to experience it themselves than by merely talking about it or posting video or of others enjoying it. That's why showcasing is so optimal. And because our industry is a cooperative one, it takes a village to raise an event. Showcasing opportunities often exist within a team setting. All team members coming to the table representing a different aspect of said event and with a different stake in the outcome. However, the blending of talents that it takes to manifest an experience worthy of showcasing requires that team members not only safeguard their own stakes, but also the interests of all other stakeholders involved. A great experience reflects better on the cumulative than a less than great one because we are the sum of our parts, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if you're thinking about showcasing your capabilities, especially as part of a broader experience encompassing a team, remember that although it stinks to be out of pocket on your costs, you're making an investment in your business. Remember too, that the journey is as important as the final destination. So if the other stakeholders on the team are not your intended audience, maybe they should be and to that end no empty or over promising when you showcase no under delivering no cutting corners no failures to communicate no unpleasant on-site surprises and no not showing up translate it this means and i say it with love if you showcase don't f it up and that's my tipsy Oh, man, you and my Yaya would get along so famously. Yes, tell me why. She would say, My sentiments exactly. Exactly. Well, you just 
said it, don't make empty promises. So you, you know, you get, you have to say what you mean and mean what you say. Like you said about a village, right? A Greek family is like a village. And as such, we rely very heavily on each other. So if one member doesn't follow through on their promise, all the dominoes come crashing down and it affects everybody. Thank you, Yaya, for agreeing with me. You're, <laughs> you're very intelligent, very smart. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! I am so excited for today's guest. Yes. I've been oh. waiting for this interview for a long time. So tell everyone who we have. Well, I'm super excited to meet her. Our guest today is a content catalyst, engagement instigator, and soulful communicator. Love her it. background in communications as moderator, MC, presenter, host, video producer, and script writer creates the perfect blend of skills to holistically integrate messaging, focusing on key takeaways and elevating the audience's experience. She is incredibly diverse. She holds a bachelor's of science in biopsychology with honors pre-med from the University of Michigan. Hello. I know. <laughs> she hosted the television docuseries, Built to Last, The Green Home on PBS. And if that isn't all enough, she is a dancer, choreographer, wow. gardener, lover of nature, animals, the arts, fitness, and yoga. Please welcome the passionate, the powerful, and soulful Amy McWhorter. Hello. Hi there. Beautiful people. Thank you Hi. very much for that magnificent introduction. All true. All, oh all true. It's, it's interesting to hear it all like that. You know, you put your stuff out there and, and website form and to be consumed but it is it's it's humbling to hear it and it makes me go okay yeah wow there is a journey here and I'm sure you're going to ask me about that yes. journey <laughs> well you know honestly I mean I I think you just hit the nail on the head quite honestly with um being humbled because the one of the first things that I said to myself when I saw your videos was wow this gal has great humility she doesn't come out on stage and uh, uh, you know, take over. There's no big ego there. There's no um, uh, uh, disingenuousness. There's just this great gal with great energy and authenticity leading us. And it that was the first thought that hit me. So that's why we wanted to have you on, quite honestly. You are so so unique, so different from the rest, if you don't mind me saying. And Anthony, I wanted to tie that into what you said before, because what Amy does is there's no offense there. She warmly welcomes the audience in. It makes it about them. She understands that. Um, and, you know, when, you, when I was watching your videos, the first thing I was just from seeing you automatically engaged with you. Mm. That's yeah, so it's wonderful to hear. It's it's really wonderful to see, quite honestly. Thank you for that. Uh, and this is completely unsolicited, right? We did you didn't yeah. ask us to say this. No, we didn't tell did you we not. were going <laughs> we to blow up your skirt or anything like that. We are we are honest, <laughs> our honest, honest opinion, and and we have seen quite a few. So um, let's just start this interview, shall we? 
let's dive in. Okay, so everybody's going to get to know you uh, with what we call our 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions? 10 quick questions? Yay! Okay, are you ready to go? Alex, uh, watch us the clock, two minutes on the clock. We're just looking for the first thing that comes to mind. No overthinking this. Are you ready to go? Breathe. I am. All right, and here we go. Amy, do you believe in miracles? Yes. What do you love most about being an MC? The energy. When was the last time you tried something new? Uh, recently, we got a new dog, so I'm always trying something new. <laughs> Gosh, that's a big new. It's <laughs> a big new. Is it a puppy? Oh, just over one year. Is uh, yep. mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect yeah, uh -huh. age. Yes, yeah. perfect. What's the, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Peace. Nice. What What is the most memorable live concert, show, festival, or theatrical event you've ever experienced? Whoa. Something that stuck with you. Oh my gosh. I know. I, honestly, Schindler's List. The movie. Yeah, the movie. What? I was speechless. I've never walked out and I couldn't say a word. The wow. power. The emotion, the wrong. The, the, the emotion, yes. the power. It's just crazy that yeah, you... That real story. Go ahead. Yeah. It's just crazy that you said that because lately I've been watching a lot of uh, Nazi documentaries about that whole Holocaust period. But it's not about me. Just interesting that you said that. Okay. Shandler's List. What's the most interesting or peculiar conference you've emceed? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm going to answer it in what I did before I'm seeing, which was I did the auto shows way back when. Oh no, are they that bad? It's a different audience. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, public, it's the public versus, yeah. Right. And the we public can be great. <laughs> but... Can be. <laughs> uh, is there a particular moment you wouldn't mind sharing with us? Did something crazy happen with an audience member ever? just the comments because of the perception mm -hmm. uh, of okay right there with you right there yeah, with you that's let's Say, alex yeah, that's just we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it there what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing oh it negative self-talk ah oh, god bless so there with you yeah uh what is your favorite style of dance contemporary or telling the story, the emotional component. Because okay. I dance and choreograph, so that, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So is that, is that like modern dance, contemporary you, dance? You could say that it was, yes. Yes, it's kind of a modern ballet fusion. It's the last, I don't know, 20 it's, years. It's the thing that they do in the competitions, and it's... It's interesting. It is. Do you it's compete? my favorite to watch, to be honest with you. Same. I do not compete, no. We do it for the love, the love of dance. And the love of dance. Um, what is your favorite vegetable to grow? Oh, yes. The favorite one to grow is tomatoes. Oh, do you like Even eating tomatoes? it's a fruit, probably, uh, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> some people call it a fruit. It tastes like a vegetable to me. Uh, yes, I love eating tomatoes and they're very versatile what you can do with them, so yes. Last question, is life about having what you want or wanting what you have? Oh, wanting what you have. 
So true. That's it. 10 quick questions. You, you passed. That was probably, <laughs> not only that, that was probably the fastest yeah. 10 quick questions we've ever had. And the goal is to be fast. That's yep. funny that you said that because let me just share this little tidbit. Uh, there is an improv group. I didn't share that with you, but we just started up again. The guy who runs it is retired now and he just quick put it together. Last time we did it was before the pandemic. And uh, one of my best skits is the alphabet game uh, where you start with mm -hmm. one letter. You know that one? Mm -hmm. that, yeah. And then the next person's comment has to start with that next letter in the alphabet. And he just shared to the group, there were some new people that Amy and Andy, another guy in the troop, a guy in the troop, we hold the record for the troop of the fastest alphabet game. So there is something about my brain that just likes to go, you know, like that. We did Quick, it in yeah. under 60 seconds. So that's funny that you said that. Well, I think it, <laughs> I think it honestly comes in handy with your work that you right. can think quickly on your feet, right? Totally. It goes hand in hand. Yeah, I yeah. love that you just tied that in. Absolutely. I, I have to say that it's probably one of the talents that um, gets you a preponderance of your work because it's not something that everybody can do. Right. It's so in the moment. And that absolutely ties in with improv. It's yeah. the same idea. So yes, I, that's what I try to tell people. I don't know that everyone gets that, but I am focused every millisecond to everything that's happening because I have to be, you know, if yes. I'm going to really facilitate this in the way that everyone will get the best experience from, then I am engaged in every single thing that's happening. Every word that's that someone's saying, I'm reading the room, whether I'm on stage or off stage. Yes. Right? And what is that energy? And are they really itching like you know we've gone a half hour over which unfortunately does happen sometimes and they're ready to go to lunch or you know whatever it right may be. right right <laughs> but yeah you know anything that happens i've i have to be aware of so that i can react tie it in and it just makes for the best experience for everyone a couple of Oh, if I, if you don't mind, I just no, want go, to go, go. tie this in because we did talk about improv with uh, a recent guest of ours because we're of the mind that improv really does help those of us in our industry, MCs, actors, anybody who's engaging with, with an audience, it helps. Do you find that to be true for you too, that the improv really helps your mind stay active and fresh and fast? Yes absolutely and it's a it's a good kind of nervous you know yes. you're stretching yourself i am stretching myself doing yes. it so i love that challenge i completely agree very important to to have that experience yes mm -hmm. improv i'm going to stick with it i'm going to keep doing it can't go to every practice coming up but because i have work <laughs> but yes. i'll come back to the next performance <laughs> when i'm available <laughs> Work is most important. Alex, what's your question? Well, it was it was just more a comment. And when I started really training with voiceover, 
and they kept pushing improv. And I'm like, why do I need improv? Because it, it always scared me so much. Why do I need improv? You're giving me a script. I don't need to improvise if you're giving, until I really started diving in and really doing it and started getting jobs. And then when I started working in this industry, even when I'm not performing, when I'm working more as on, you know, on the agent side, oh my gosh, is it important on site with clients, being able to think on your feet, how it helps is incredible. Yeah, because you probably, they'll ask you to do variations, or, you know, and then you can just imagine what that they might want, or, you know, instead of always waiting for them to tell you, you can come up with different ideas for how to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a really good technique for learning how to take a breath before mm. you respond. Mm. That's, <laughs> that's a good point. We, we sometimes don't do that enough on stage we feel like we have to fill every second mm -hmm. and sometimes the the breaks the silences are more impactful can anybody disagree that absolutely is true mm -hmm. so amy i we're both so curious how you went from pre-med to emceeing what was that journey absolutely so it was my senior year at university of michigan when I took a theater class and yes. <laughs> I absolutely lit up and we're talking about some of this nervousness in a good way that comes with improv. We were being asked in class to do these. It was improv, quite honestly, you know, get up at the podium and act like you're, you know, giving a speech as a blah, 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 or whatever it may be. And I, I said, oh my gosh, I should have been doing this all along. Wow. That was my gut. That was my gut. And I already knew that I wasn't in love with the track I was on. Honestly, my dad was a physician and I just kind of, I didn't have the wherewithal going into college to know what I really wanted. So uh, I just went along, right? Even just right. to declare the biopsychology major, which was a new major at the time, Bachelor of Science, pre-med track. I waited until the you know last moment to even declare that. And oh wow! Thought about it. So I I'd always danced and and done you know singing and done some theater, but just yeah, I just did not think to pursue that going into college. Yeah, I was a mm. real good student, and you know math, science, we'll do this. So honestly, after I graduated. I we're I I'm sure we're gonna get into intuition. I I have I've seen a, a, one of your questions that I just leads me to believe we're gonna get there. But I listened to the inner voice nice. that said, "Pursue acting." That's what it said. Wow. And said, okay, and just started doing some theater. In the meantime, I'm you know doing food service, you know catering wait, wait staff, things like that, and started to get into commercials, industrial films, as they mm -hmm. called them, yes. and corporate videos. Then the auto shows came in, which was a great first mm -hmm. step into yeah. live corporate theater, almost, if you will, you know, trade shows. And did that a couple of years, then quickly discovered the, the, the corporate Close to public, you know, B2B trade shows. 
And that's where I spent a good amount of time. And that again, started to evolve into the MC event hosting. It, it was basically, you know, opportunity, I guess, meeting preparation, though I wasn't targeting, you know, I'm right. going to be doing, you know, I wasn't, right. it wasn't really an intentional thing that I knew was happening, but it, it came in and I started to get more opportunities and love it. And then that once again was the intuition saying, oh, now this is where I want to focus my energy. This is what I want to grow. Yeah. Was your intuition what got you into that class to begin with? That that improv class? Was it, I mean, because, you know, you weren't even on that track at all. So what, right. Right. what triggered in your mind that made you think, oh, right. I'm going to take that improv class? Right, because it was an elective and I had taken a film class and absolutely loved that. I, I wouldn't say easy necessarily. I loved anthropology too, but just <laughs> like it really lit up different parts of my brain and being in just a completely different way than the math wow. science. So yes, I would say it was some sort of intuition. It was some sort of love, you know, going, yeah, try this, do that. Yeah. Mm. Take this class. This is going to be good. And you know, I have to say, I'm sorry. I just, I have to say that, that you're not only you're listening to your intuition, but your courage to follow it is truly admirable, especially at a, uh, such a young age. And I can't help but think that your, your innate knowing to listen to your intuition helps you on stage. When you see something and you intuitively know, go this direction, go that direction. That's well yeah. said. I would yeah. agree with you. I hadn't yeah. thought about it that way. You are right. Yeah. And you, you trust, you have to trust in that intuition as well. So you have to be really solid. Uh, which I imagine you are. Yeah, And you know what? Yeah, Like I always say, if this doesn't work out, you can always go back to medicine as a second option. <laughs> you always say that. It's a good fallback career medicine. If it, you know, if this doesn't work out. <laughs> so Actually, I need a new of... doctor. Can you <laughs> Uh, at University of Michigan, I, this is a personal question. Was yeah. did you do you know the name Brent Wagner? Was he? I think he was the chair of the department, the drama department, or the musical theater studies at University of Michigan when you were there. But I'm I'm seeing by the look on your face that maybe you don't know who that is. I'm not sure. The name sounds somewhat familiar, but because I wasn't deep into the department, right? right. I'm not sure. Yeah. Right. I asked that question only because I went to Syracuse and studied musical theater and Brent was the was the head of our department. And the year that I graduated, he went to University of Michigan oh. and and started that department. And a lot of the kids uh, from Syracuse went on to Broadway and then a lot of the kids from U of M went on to Broadway. Uh, he's that you know good a teacher. So I just wondered if you knew. Him. Next question. <laughs> As an MC, what types of pre-event information helps you do your best work? Great question. Yes, Alex introduced me as a content catalyst. And I think that's the lens from which I work. I want to gather 
as much information as I can to help me get a real sense of what the audience is going through. What are their pain points? What I also want to work with the event planners. What are their themes, their goals, their messaging? And I like to do a lot of research so that when I am in the moment, whether it be on stage by myself or with someone else or moderating in a panel, it flows. Mm -hmm. But it's that preparation. So I'll take, you know, magazine articles and, you know, print them out and I'll highlight them up and, you know, intros, of course, to speakers, but I'll do some of my own research as well and just really synthesize it all. And, and that's where some of that video producer, scriptwriter background comes in too, because when I, when I interview people for videos, I'm editing in my head, what is the final video? What does the audience want to hear from that final product? So it's, it's similar when moderating a panel. How much of it is scripted and given to you? And how much of it do you find that you're having to come up with yourself? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. There's scripting. No, it's a great question. Well, <laughs> I didn't mean I'm, it I'm, 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 no, no, no. I'm imagining you get very little is why I asked that question. Yeah, I've learned to ask for more content, which is why I led with what I did. At times it can, it can be little or it can be last minute and it's all fine. It always works out, but I do like to have Scripting as a framework, scripting notes mm -hmm. in the confidence monitor or whatever, mm -hmm. at least on note cards, but there is quite a bit of improv that happens too. It will rarely come out the way it's written, right. if that makes sense. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. It does. Yeah. In fact, I, I would have to venture to say that most of what you get in written form I'm going out on a limb here is unusable. I, I find that to be true in my own circumstances for the little bit of emceeing that I've done, what I receive, I, I, can, I can't use. I have to usually work it into something else. And I, I think that's probably part because it's my voice and I want it to sound authentic, right? But I think also it's just a lack of understanding of how things need to be written so they're presentational rather than you're just reading it. You know, it's a different yeah. kind of writing, right? You have to punch up certain words. And so that's why I asked the question. And I'm assuming that you, you in, we included your script writer because I'm assuming that you have to write a lot of your own stuff. Yes, there's always, I'm glad you brought that up. I always reword or or say up front that yeah I'll this I'll take this and then I'll rework it into my own natural style. So I have to ask you with that and Anthony this is for you too. Have you ever had any backlash on that? Have you had any uh anybody fight you on that? No, but I will say with that question, I believe that I had the opposite where I did not push back enough on what was given to me and I do not think the result was as good as it could have been 
And I take some responsibility for that looking back. Just, I mean, it wasn't like, a, I mean, the event went great, but just, mm -hmm. just a sense of, hmm, I think we could have approached that a little bit differently. And that can get complicated when there's multiple parties coming at it and maybe there's a long-term relationship there in place with the, right? I don't want to say too much here, but looking back, I feel like I, you mentioned up at the top, always learning and growing. That was a lesson for me that if anything, I would swing towards suggesting more changes than less. And I'll, I'll share because you asked the question. I did have backlash once. I was working with a, another dental organization and the planner was not in the ballroom during rehearsal, would run in and out, was completely disorganized. And at one point during the rehearsal, she gave me the go ahead to, to you know, flex on the script a bit, which I did. And in order to save some time, I brought two award winners up at the same time. And after the event, she said, those two people should never have been on stage together. So I never did that event again. That was the last time that I did that event. And I'm sure that, you know, my, my mistake was the reason I could go on and say I wasn't getting any direction. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the fault of the planner. If they're not giving you direction, then it's tough. Yeah. And I will just... Add please, please. That if the key players are in the room and they hear something that they don't like, or maybe they, they think, oh, I'm not sure, you know, let's change it. My sincerest hope is that they say something. And I, I will say coming down off of rehearsal, do you have anything, any, any feedback, anything you'd like to change? And I mean, if the answer is no, then... What kind can of you what do? do you do? Exactly. Right. What can you do? That's it. Well, you already bring with you um, the sense and the approach that I'd like to see everybody bring with them. And that is the focus on the audience, their pain points, what it is they're going through, because that helps you to do the best possible job that you can do. And you get that. So where did you get that from? Did you just realize this is going to help me? I need to get this information or... Did you determine, or somebody say to you, this is a best practice? How did you discover that you needed to go in that way? I think it was organically learning by, and part of it is the anecdote I just mm -hmm. shared. So yes, yes, yes. It's been a natural process of realizing this is a best practice. Yes. And you've been doing some best practicing with some of some very, very big names. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sony jumps out at me uh, as one that I remember from the long, long list of tech companies and uh, banking institutions. Uh, how do you get most of your work? Most of it has been direct, but I do work with agencies, bureaus, event planning companies, production mm -hmm. companies. So that's the next layer for certain. So I appreciate it all. Are you getting called as much as you'd like to from, from the uh, agencies that have you on their rosters? 
No, that's why you're doing most of the work yourself. And you're very prolific. You get the videos out there, even when you're not on stage. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not letting us forget that Amy McWhorter is out there and she's your best option. Well, thank you. I will say along the lines of getting materials out, I do feel a pull in 2023 to improve my outreach by email as reminders that I'm out there and I always am upgrading, you know, reels and messaging and yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, I, I am so impressed by that probably because I suck at it <laughs> and it's, it's really, and to watch yourself and to be objective and mm -hmm. to know what it is you want to show people and to be, uh, vulnerable enough to let some of the, you know, things that you might not be so proud of go on and in, in perpetuity, you know, that takes a lot of courage. It absolutely does. 100% takes a lot of courage. Does it help that you're the daughter of a doctor? Did, uh, oh, I'm just, I'm being a little facetious. Or is uh, dissecting yeah. <laughs> videos. Yeah, there you go. Oh, were, it could. Were you, um, were you were you raised with the sense that you um you know you needed to work hard and and put your mind to something that you wanted to do and and when you decided to to move from medicine into emceeing did you get any backlash from your parents <laughs> yes i was i was raised with the just expectation to succeed basically so i was a very good student and focused on the studies and had a lot of extracurriculars too. Yes. My dad died some time ago. I get just a little emotional here. And he, he did not see the, I mean, he was, he got to see the auto show phase and some of the, you know, right. So I remember him saying at one point, when are the checks going to start rolling in? Right. As parents so, do. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Come to find out my mom, my aunt, you know, we're kind of like, hmm, how's that going to work out? You know, but they didn't <laughs> right. say anything to me. <laughs> right. But now they say, oh my goodness. I, it was just my birthday. Oh, they're just amazed and very proud. And which is so nice to hear. So, yeah. So I would say, some questioning occurred. <laughs> what is that you're going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not a well-known career path, right? Exactly. So you work internationally. We yeah. got to see that. Do the cultural variances at play change your approach when you're working internationally? Yeah, I find that the international audiences are a little more subdued. They are not as loud. I mean, certainly clap. I'd say respectful is a word mm -hmm. that I use. So they're engaged, but quieter. Mm -hmm. And often their English is the common language or I wouldn't be there emceeing the event. <laughs> So there are some differences in how fluent people are. So in those respects, yes, if that makes sense. Whereas <laughs> if it's 
all US. I'm thinking of kind of some recent events that I did where there was an EMEA APAC version and an Americas version. Mm -hmm. And not everyone would be exactly like this, but I was told the Americas group would be pretty easygoing. They'd be fun. They'd be definitely louder and more responsive than the international. And that was true. Mm. Yeah. What about humor and using it in, in those international um, jobs? Does it, does it, it's harder. I have to surmise. It is, it is harder though. I will say I was in India recently hosting a tech event. And one of the comments I got from a planner was, witty <laughs> witty and engaging so i guess i guess i was witty <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't cracking jokes mm -hmm. but definitely had a lightness about mm -hmm. things if that makes sense and yes. you know kind of i mean not poking fun but you know yeah we're running a little long and you know you know, yeah. that type of thing so so i have to ask you this then before you go to another country do you research the culture so as not to misstep, especially if, you know, you, you have this natural ability to improvise and be in the moment? Yes. And I have had clients give me a heads up here and there about certain things that would not go over well. And in fact, also, I was in Dubai hosting an event moderating a panel and one of the local panelists when we were having our discussions you know in the room he said I don't think it's going to play great here if we make it too confrontational because the scriptwriter marketing folks were kind of wanting it to be debate style and he pushed back and I think that's part of what influenced a little bit on the direction we went. He just didn't think it would be well-received mm -hmm. to have it be too debatey, if you will. May I ask, does that have more to do with the fact that you're a woman than it does the fact that there was a debate? I didn't take it that way. I suppose it could be possible, and they probably could have handled a little more debatiness that we ended up doing there but I took it that it was a cultural mm. thing from him well you know what that is the way to take it because if you don't mm -hmm. have to be offended don't be offended right right <laughs> absolutely but uh yeah. but I we wonder about that because in some countries the rules are different for for ladies for women and uh you know when you're an MC you're taking a lead role and that can be construed as being inappropriate to some people. Have you felt that? I have not. I do think this whole, you know, equity, diversity, inclusion thing has been you know, happening for a while, which is mm -hmm. wonderful. And I think that transfers over overseas. It, it really right. does. I do think so. One thing I did ask when I was in Dubai was about you know, shoulders and knees. Right. <laughs> Can right. I show them? And and I talked to some local folks and, you know, I think we came up with some good solutions. I believe I covered my shoulders, but still they, I was told, yeah, it's not, it, you know, pretty 
diverse in what you're going to see there. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we kind of had a compromise there. But yeah, all things to take into consideration for sure. So you you just you're described as having the ability to amplify messaging by pulling threads together in a unique way so that audiences come away with deep value. That is beautifully said. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes, I can. So I am the content weaver. So those are the threads. And a recent client used the term red thread, if you're familiar with that. It comes Mm -hmm. from a story. You could look up the term red thread. So we planned it so that I was weaving that thread. It was very intentional. The the planning was just excellent in in this case. That was the Dubai Americas Mm -hmm. one that I was referring to. So, and you do learn as you go, right? And you see how important it is to do that. It's, It's the themes, the goals, and the messaging that I am weaving through. I'm that constant that comes at the open, in between, almost every segue, except maybe the CEO introduces someone else or something, you know, in there. I was also moderating a panel and then drawing summaries at the end of that panel and sometimes at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. So that is what I mean by amplifying messaging. So that's the communication to the audience, pulling the threads together so that the audience does get the maximum they can out Mm -hmm. of the messaging and the event. And it's coming from a different voice. So when the message is first communicated by say a keynote or in a, in a panel discussion, you're repeating it again, really does amplify the message Mm -hmm. and help it to cement it. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. And you're not going to just repeat it the exact same way, but call out a few points that, yes, you said we could try this when we go home. So I really like how you did that. And those are some great tips for our Mm -hmm. audience. And mm -hmm. How much talking to the audience and with the audience do you do? I'm assuming you engage them and you talk out to them. Do you you invite uh, dialogue back at any time when you're on stage? Uh, once in a while, you, you know, it depends on the event and the, the format, but yes, absolutely. There's Q and a, of course. So that's going to be directly with the audience, but yes, I will ask people to raise their hands and how many did, you know, this adventure in the morning or, you know, how many right. are in this group. So yes, I do think that's important. And sometimes there can be Polls or, you know, things, mm-hmm. in, you know, handheld devices, mobile devices. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that opportunity now, too, that we can broadcast and get direct feedback onto the screens and everyone can see, did an opinion change after a panel or a debate? Had that one. And that that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. that's great. That's cool. mm-hmm. yeah. That is great. More, more of us should be doing that. More mm-hmm. real-time information. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And feedback. Um. We've actually had a client, the same client. I, I read in your bio, you've done work mm-hmm. for HIMSS, mm-hmm. H-I-M-S-S, mm-hmm. which um, I can't, it's the Health Information Management Society something. System Society. System yeah, Society. Right. Yeah. 
back in, I think, 2007 or 2008, they were in San Diego and I rewrote a, a Beatles medley for them. And it was um, it was so much fun because at the time they were grappling with getting medical professionals, doctors mainly, crossing over from writing notes to going digital. And it was really hard to get them all to move into digital. And so that was what this medley was about. Um, I just wanted to mention it to you because we have this in common. I saw it on your list of, of, of clients you've worked with. And I just thought, well, we have something in common. I'd like so, to hear it at some point. <laughs> it, it was fun. It was fun. That's one of our, our, our bailiwicks here is is parodies and and production numbers and and it was quite fun. Mm -hmm. So how do you stay authentic to speaking the truth while also remaining grounded in love and peace? And this is a question about how you manage your life more than, mm -hmm. you know, your stage yes. time. It is. It is. And this is what I figured I was a little bit hinting at this. And I know I had answered peace in one of the answers of your yes. two minute, 10 questions. So it is about, it is about centering. It's about centering. So it's taking time every day to center. There can be a variety of ways. Um, I don't necessarily sit and meditate. Uh, what I do do is yin yoga. That is one of my absolute favorite ways to meditate because I saw so I, I can be very high energy and I dance. Mm -hmm. but it's the opposite energy, right? So just staying with the pose, you know, three to five minutes, but the pose is just, it's stretching the muscles, right? But it allows me to go so deeply internal. I've just grown to love it so much. I, it, it allows me to get the most centered out of anything wow. I've found. I'm a personal fan of active meditation. That's my favorite form. Wow. So I, I think that's wonderful that you do that. It's yeah. not all you do though. It's, no, it's, it's not right. You have some other practices. Spend time with, spend time in nature you know, whether it is gardening, which I'm itching to start. <laughs> very it's, soon. Coming, it's coming. It's, it's coming. It's coming. I'm so excited. Uh, you know, walking the dog, um, admiring nature, birds, feeding the birds, being outside by water. There are many, many things that we can do or just being quiet, which is a form of meditation, really. But it's I'm essential. I'm actually uh, reading a book now called Lead Yourself First or Lead With Yourself, one of the two. And the whole idea of the book is solitude is very necessary to leadership because that's when you're really investing in yourself and you're thinking through things and you know, you're sitting with your thoughts. So it's a great practice to have solitude and yet so many of us can't stand the sound of silence <laughs> but i find it essential yes so is this a morning practice does it ha happen in the morning or the afternoon or does it matter as long as you get it in during the day it's it's usually in the morning yes mm -hmm. it's easiest for me then mm -hmm. you, you know i, I the older I get, and, and this bothers me a lot, the older I get, probably going to bother you more, Alex, the more I realize that the most successful people in life 
have a morning routine before everyone else gets out of bed. And that's how they center themselves and prepare for the day. And, uh, you know, I bat myself, I, I slap myself across the face when I wake up at seven because it's too late in the day already. <laughs> I should be up two hours earlier like all the other successful people. Um, are you an early riser? I am. And it's just funny to tie back to the dog just simply because it's about 5.15 every morning because of the dog. Oh. But I'm finding for the last six weeks of having him, it's wonderful. And I'm I'm now getting more used to it. I'm going to bed a little earlier and I find it just serene to to get in that quiet time. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, you know, the thing to do when you have a dog is just not get out of bed at 515. And then you don't have that problem because they don't get in the habit of getting up at 515. But that's for another dog. He barks once. And I feel that I cannot ignore him when I'm laying there oh. already awake. <laughs> oh, you're a good mommy. You're a good mommy. You, you travel a lot. I do. So, and you have this daily routine. How do you manage to remain centered, healthy, and fit while you're on the road? Yeah, it's still a lot of quiet time. So it's such an interesting question because what I do for the traveling and the work seems to be so extroverted, right? Mm -hmm. Very <laughs> well, much. I mean, right? It's hard to argue with. However, that need to go within does not go away when I'm on the road. In fact, it may even magnify because the outward energy and the adrenaline has ramped up. Mm -hmm. So I would say even more time is spent in quiet. Is it harder when you're on the road partially because you're not only in front of the attendees on stage, but you're walking past them in hotel quarters and in the lobby and in restaurants. And you're sort of, you know, in that space. So that has to take some energy as well, right? Because you have to be, right, personable offstage as well. Mm -hmm. You just hit it on the head. Mm -hmm. I would call it being on, and that is not a bad thing. It's mm -hmm. awesome to see the attendees in the hall and, and talk to them or at the networking reception. I love that. I think it's essential and it's, it's more energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and because I assume you're aware of it at all times, mm -hmm. you may step out of the elevator and bump into yes, someone. That's right. You may, you know, put your key in the door and somebody walks by right at any time. Bingo. Yep. Or leaving the room and there is some, oh, hi. Yeah. They recognize right, me. Right. Oh yeah. Will you be at the reception tonight? Mm -hmm. I'll see you there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It takes, it takes, it takes some mindfulness, right? And the work that you do in the morning really does fuel that for you. It's genius. And, you know, I, I we wanted to ask that question about being on the road because you know, we travel too, and a lot of our business associates travel. And what I found is that most people give up their regiments, their routines when they're on the road. And I'm just so impressed by you that you don't, that you're able to continue to do that because it really does help. Yes, it does. 
It does. And, you know, granted, I'm not dancing per se. I'm usually walking a lot, though, mm -hmm. just to touch just on the exercise part, because, right, it's not all mind because the body, you know, is obviously connected, mind, body, spirit. And so even though I, I miss dancing somewhat or I'm just glad to return to it, um, there's still some physical activity just from simply being on and walking and doing some stretching. So I just wanted to throw that in there. I imagine you walk around the cities too. I yes. have to imagine you do yes. quite a bit of walking around the cities that you're in. To Otherwise, yes. of course, why bother going if you're not going to do that? Right? Yes. I want to say, oh yeah, I was in Dubai. Oh yeah, the ballroom was lovely. <laughs> no. The airport, best airport I've ever seen. Know, right. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. a fun part. Yes. <laughs> so what's what's ahead for you? What where are you going? What if you don't mind sharing some of the clients you're going to be working for or where sure. you're going? Sure. I am actually headed to the East Coast to Baltimore and it's going to be fleet managers that I'll be working with there <laughs> and then I'll be headed to New Orleans for pharmacists. Nice. And then I will go to Annapolis, back to oh. Maryland for procurement oh. in, in higher education. Very, wow. sec very sexy field. Yes. Yes. I will be hosting a nonprofit hybrid event for Dogs for Better Lives. Oh, and I love that. Yeah, that came up a while ago, and they raise and train dogs, namely for people with autism and hearing disabilities, or we nice. probably could say that a different way, hearing issues. So, yes, and a tech event sales conference. We'll we'll end it there. <laughs> okay, so you just you just said something. The way you just said that makes me think that you have a lot of joy. You get a lot of joy out of doing fundraisers or at least doing something with dogs, which yes, is- Yes, exactly. I would say both for sure, <laughs> the dog connection. It always was an attraction even before we we got ours. So yes, I, I would say it's both, it, but definitely the fact that they're doing something so worthy and, and I do love animals and yeah. So, and dogs. <laughs> so what special. kind of dog, what kind of dog do you have? He is a golden retriever. He, he's an English cream. We had a female golden and we had her for almost 14 years and it will be eight years this June that she's been gone. So it took wow. us. Wow. It took you some time. time. Yes. Yeah, and it was, I would say it was more me. I wanted older puppy. My husband wanted younger puppy. And then I had a dream. Oh, we'll talk about intuition. We'll tie it back. February 15th, dream. I'm with my golden retriever who had passed. I don't dream about her, right? That's just a, well, I did. And we're wow. sitting on the floor and I'm petting her and I'm saying, oh, I've missed you so much. Oh. And I cried the whole next day and started looking into getting a dog that there next you day. Go. <laughs> It really, you know, I, I we we had the same thing happen last year. We lost our dog and um, we sort of jumped right back in the saddle and we weren't sure whether it was the right thing to do, but oh my gosh, the love and the joy that you get from having them around. Mm -hmm. And and you can tell your husband, we went the new puppy route. They were eight weeks 
And Amy, I'm telling you, we are exhausted because <laughs> they are energized all the time. And it's it's happening. How old yeah. now? How old? They're now they're now 15 months. They're now okay. 15 months. So we've had okay. them for the last uh, 13 months, and yes. we got two because we figured they're young. So we would get two, and they'd have each other. Walking them is a lot of exercise. Let me just say, and I go to the gym, and that's a lot of exercise. Just getting them to walk. Yeah. Anyway, let's go on to because we have to get to the nitty gritty. We're getting the sign that we have to end this fabulous time. We're going to go to our Bellotified Five. <gasps> the Bellotified Five. <laughs> Five questions. We're going to get into it with you. You ready to go? I am. All right. So we'd love to know, Amy, and I, I have to, I have to guess that you've got one. What is your golden rule? What do you live by? I mean, honestly, I'll go to my intention that I set in yoga. Peace, love, and joy. You absolutely do personify all of those mm -hmm. things. Thank what is you. you do? You do. You're very, um, and I think that's why you're working a lot because you have a very calming effect. You have energy, but yes. you're not frenetic. You know, your energy is very calm um, and it's great. What is one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Maybe we already touched upon it. I think we did. It would be the centering. And I will just add that in addition, that can be dance for me. I didn't mention that before. That can is absolutely a form of meditation. I mm -hmm. lose all track of time when I'm dancing, mm -hmm. choreographing, teaching my class. I have no sense of time whatsoever. So yeah. you're teaching dance. I do. I teach and choreograph. Yeah, we still we perform. We perform of every year we do it for video since 2020 since that was our only right. way of performing and now the the ladies love it so much that we do a video and a live performance wow <laughs> i have to be honest i stalked you a little bit and saw some of your performances and they were beautiful oh thank you really we lovely love it so much thank you we do it for the love and i'm glad that you enjoyed them. Thank you. I always wanted to be a dancer. So I say in my next life, I'm going to come back as a five foot six ballerina. Excellent. Yeah. Very possible. I've, I've, said, I've yes. set that intention. It's going to happen. It, it, it will. Yep. Same here. Same here. I want to be a five foot six ballerina. Ballerina. <laughs> now I used to, the, the ballet teacher used to take her, her stick and hit my feet with them and tell me, point your toes, point your toes. And I'd scream. I would cry back at her. They are pointed. <laughs> exactly. So right. there's a limit. And I have dancers too. It's that they're pointing them as much as they can point. Right, right. That's, that's, that's good enough. <laughs> I'm never going to be a ballerina. <laughs> in this life. In this life. In this life. So Amy, when no one is listening, what is it you're telling yourself? It's such a good question. And I didn't, I, I saw this one. I, I did not write it 
anything down? What am I telling myself? And I would not want to share any of the negative self-talk <laughs> that I referred to earlier, which can creep in, but it's usually, it's, it's calm in general. I don't know that I'm saying words, but I think that it still comes back to breathing and creating space inside, which really is about centering. That's my answer. So uh, please don't mind the question. Hmm. When you do find yourself in a negative space and your self-talk is negative, how do you pull yourself out? Yeah, yeah. And I'm still figuring that out. But I do believe I, I come out of it quicker. I think that sitting with it some is good. However, there's a limit to that. And I do think that shifting the energy, it doesn't have to be a big action step or move, you know, physically, but shifting the energy somehow. I mean, it could be baking, you know, <laughs> is important so that we're not dwelling in that and it's just feeling paralyzing and stagnant i just had this conversation with my daughter mm. and she was asking me she's you're into all this stuff mom how do you handle it what's your so answer i basically said the same thing i said as difficult as it is when you're in that state and all you want to do is lay in bed with the covers over your head and cry change your energy, change your focus, get up, do something for somebody, go for a walk, go exercise, sing, do something, take a shower, anything that changes and switches your focus. And then I have a couple of keywords I use that I'm just now actually learning something that things that have been coming to me recently and I'll find myself and I say them. So I just find a word that either makes you laugh and just in that moment, yell it out. And it'll, it can switch you. That's good. Good advice. Amy, what's one change you'd like to see in the world? Oh, <laughs> people getting along no matter what countries, mm. no borders, just, you know, so with you. communities within states, with no lines, no borders. Yeah. And maybe some kindness. The kindness is part of that. Yeah. So what is your why? What is your why? Why do you do this? What? Why? Why, Amy? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's from, it's from love. It's, it's, it's connection. Yeah. Yeah which is such a much better answer than I love being on stage or I love when people watch me. <laughs> yeah. All that stuff, right? The connection, the ability to impact, the ability to make a difference, the right. All of those yeah. things. Yeah. 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 Wow. No, it, it, it warms my heart to hear that because when you're doing this kind of work, if your focus is on yourself, you're in the wrong line of business. You should be focused on your audiences, your clients, and that's exactly where your focus is. And it just, it's so right on. I'm glad we're amplifying that message here today. Indeed. And I, I hope that everybody 
is listening because not just people who are on stage, but but planners as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions I was going to ask you was you work with marketing departments, you work with planners. Do you find that one, you get more information from one than you do from the other? I'm not sure I'm asking that the right way. I think it depends how they're coming at things. There's there's the producer groups and the event planners who are focused on the show flow and the agenda. I think the marketing teams are definitely focused on messaging and themes and goals, but so are the event planners. So it is a collaborative effort, like you were saying at the beginning. It's very much, it takes a village and it's a team effort. And you got to play in the sandbox nicely, (laughs) right? Yes. Well, Amy, that's really kind of all we have for today. Is there anything you'd like to share the end you're all like it's over (laughs) i'm just stretching and doing getting the energy out because it was so much fun is there anything else i would like to share simply that i love what i do i'd like to keep growing and connecting and that's about it. I think you're probably going to ask me about information or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How we, how we could get in touch with you? Sure. My website is presentingamy.com, just like it sounds. Presenting, I-N-G-A-M-Y.com. And you can email me, amy at presentingamy.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Instagram. Those are my two main social medias that I keep active. I do Facebook too. There's a Facebook page, but yeah. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. (laughs) They can click, they can call us, they can find you. They need you. We need you. Mm -hmm. We're going to be working together as the years go on. And we thank you for your time and for your professionalism and for your best practices. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. <laughs>